here's basically the recap of what we talked about on Sunday. We were in Acts chapter two on Sunday. We started out talking about how the disciples were waiting for God's spirit to show up. And then God's spirit appears. They pray and pray, like we talked about in the first message, the importance of praying before going out. They pray, the Holy Spirit shows up like flames, like literally these fireballs appear over their head and they start speaking in tongues. And, and then God sends them out on a mission. So they go outside and they all start speaking in tongues. So they're all talking in different languages. And what happens is they're not just like saying random things in other languages. Basically what they're doing is they're praising God. So imagine if like there was 120 of us and all of us each spoke in a different language. And we went outside and we were talking about, this is what God did in my life. These are the amazing things that God did. This is how cool and how awesome and powerful God is. Well, during that day, there was in Israel a bunch of Jews from all over the world who like made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for a festival that was going on during that day. So they're, they're Jews by blood, but they don't speak the Jewish language. Um, they're not people who necessarily, like Jewish is their, their main language or Hebrew. They're from different countries. So God is using all of these Christians speaking in different languages where all of a sudden, like, just imagine you're in that crowd, like let's say you're from Asia, and you look at this giant crowd of Christians and they're all talking at the same time and you're hearing in that crowd people speaking your own language and you're like, what is going on? God used the gift of tongues in that group of people as a method of evangelism. And now we see like opposition, okay? Because the gospel is being spread. People are hearing the good news, but now there's opposition. So let's look at verse uh, 12. So in verse 12, it says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What does this mean, they asked one another. But then others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Which doesn't make sense, because like, I've never seen being drunk give you the power to speak other languages. Um, I see how being drunk gives you the ability, the superpower of being an idiot. Like I went online and I looked up like dumbest things people have done while drunk. And this was one. Uh, one guy said, got my bicycle and crashed into a Taco Bell drive-thru on my way home. I also ripped open a bag of coffee grounds and ate them with a spoon. Didn't realize that one until the next morning. So yeah, being drunk doesn't give you superpowers. It just gives you idiot powers. Um, let's see Peter's response in verse 14. So then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted at the crowd saying, listen carefully all you fellow Jews and the residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's way too early for being drunk. He's like, guys, people don't get drunk until way later in the day. It's nine o'clock. Come on, what are you guys talking about? So before we go into it, I wanna just look at something. If you've been studying Peter at all with us in the Gospel of John, there's a huge difference between this Peter that we're seeing and the old Peter of the old, like not the Old Testament, but the old Peter of the Gospels. Um, the old Peter was kind of a coward. Like he, remember, he was supposed to defend Jesus. He was supposed to stand up for Jesus when he got arrested. But what did he do? He ran away. He hid himself. He actually started cussing out some little girl who came up and was like, hey, aren't you Peter? Aren't you friends with Jesus? And he's like, no, not me, beep, beep, beep. Like, yeah. that was Peter. Like, he was this coward who was so afraid. But now we see him standing in front of a crowd of thousands of people proclaiming the good news. The difference between the old Peter and the new Peter is this Peter has the filling of the Spirit. The old Peter had Jesus with him in the flesh. This Peter actually has something even better. It's the spirit. The spirit can make us brave. I want you guys to really think about that. So many of us struggle with fear and anxiety in our life, not just to like do great things for the Lord and like live out our purpose and go out and share the good news. A lot of us like 
just struggle with straight up fear in our life over our circumstances and the things in our life that we go through. Maybe it's the fear of loneliness or the fear that you'll never find somebody to fall in love with or, or the fear that you know you won't have friends in your life or the fear that you'll never be successful or you'll never amount to anything. These are all fears that we struggle with. The Holy Spirit wants to make you brave. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. The, the Holy Spirit is something completely different. It's a spirit that once you receive it, and remember, the Holy Spirit is something that we constantly need to be filled in, okay? Yes, when you get saved, you are filled with the Spirit, but just like in the same sense that, like, think of a balloon. Like, a balloon, did you know that a balloon always has air in it? Like, if you deplete, like, a balloon down to its most shrunken form, that balloon still is filled with air, like the tiny pocket inside that balloon still has some air in it. You can never have a balloon unless you like completely like flatten it or like freeze dry it or something. But it just a depleted balloon has air in it, but it needs to be filled to reach its full potential. In the same way as Christians, you have the Holy Spirit. Like that's something that never leaves you, but God wants you to be filled with the Spirit constantly to go back to him and say, Lord, I'm thirsty, but I still need a drink. So Peter, he's just the tool here speaking, right? He just gets up. He's not some amazing preacher. He's just a guy, a normal fisherman, giving himself to God and saying, God, I think you can use me and I want to be used. Jesus wants to use you despite your abilities. Like, I don't know how many of you guys feel like you're amazing evangelists. Like, I don't know if any of you guys here feel like you're so confident that if you went out and tried to preach the gospel, you would have like a four-point thing, a four-point message that you'd be able to sit there and, and go through the gospel of somebody, or even if you'd like feel comfortable like debating somebody if they had questions for you, I want you to know that if you are unconfident of your ability to share the good news with somebody, that's okay, because the Holy Spirit can give you what you need. I've shared with this story with you guys many times before, but um, I know a guy named Brad Hall, who's a missionary in Australia, and yeah, you know him. No way. You were named after Brad Hall? Dude, that, do you say same? <laughs> no, Justin, you were not named after Brad. Yeah, yeah, so your, your parents are actually in the story I was about to tell. Um, so Brad was down by the beach, and um, he's this just, you know, normal Oceanside beach guy. And a, a guy comes up to him on the pier, and he's like, hey, bro, did you know God loves you? And Brad was like, no. And then the guy was like, well, he does. And then he just left. And Brad was like, what the heck? Like, who, Jesus loves me? Who's Jesus? So for three weeks, Brad could not get this out of his mind, that Jesus loves him. He couldn't stop thinking about it. So he literally was like, who is Jesus? Why does he love me? I've got to find out more. So then he remembered Bradley's parents and was like, they're my friends. They're Christians. I should ask them about Jesus. So he went to them and asked them. And that's, and that's how he ended up becoming a Christian. Am I butchering that story or is that... Okay, well, when I was in Australia with Brad, he told me this story. I just wanted to make sure I got it right. But yeah, so Brad's this amazing pastor in Australia now who's like planting churches. You guys could literally help someone come to the Lord who would eventually plant churches in another country by simply just telling them the simple good news about Jesus. So, so really, the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks. I want you guys to get that. Seriously, the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks. God just wants to use you as the microphone. Will you let him? That's the question. It's not about you being an amazing speaker. It's about the Holy Spirit being an amazing speaker through you. So in this passage right now, Peter is about to give the first sermon. Like, I'm giving a sermon. 
Peter is about to give the first Christian sermon. And he's gonna quote a lot of Old Testament text because he's talking to Jews. So it's like, it's like in their culture. It'd be like if he came today and like quoted Taylor Swift or something. It's like he's, he's speaking to their language. He's quoting the Old Testament. And the whole sermon takes about two minutes to read, but it's gonna take me about two weeks to unpack because I'm not efficient. So um, yeah, that was a dig at myself. Thanks for not laughing at me. Anyway, uh, so Acts chapter two, verses 16 through 17. Let's look at that. So Peter begins to speak. He says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit among all people. I think it's amazing that he can just quote the book of Joel. Like I don't have any of the Old Testament prophets memorized. So that's like, well done, Peter. He quotes an Old Testament passage and he starts talking about three different things. He talks about the last days, he talks about God's spirit, and he talks about the day of the Lord. So the first question I wanna ask us, or or ask the text, I guess, is what does he mean when he says in the last days? Here's what the last days mean. The last days are the days after Jesus's death and resurrection. How many of you guys have ever heard the term last days as a Christian? In the last days, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard it a lot growing up, usually when talking about revelation or end time stuff. Um, I've heard it a lot like whenever something crazy happens, like if there's an earthquake, there's usually someone in my church who's like, well, it's the last days. And they're right. The reality is when Jesus showed up, every day after Jesus was a part of the last days. Um, and it's really, when Jesus showed up, it marked the beginning of something and the ending of something. The beginning was, do you guys know what the beginning was? The the word. In the beginning was the word. No, when Jesus showed up, there was something coming, something dawning. Does anyone know what that is? We talked about it a lot over the last many series. Satan? No. The king is the kingdom of God. Okay? When Jesus shows up, it marks the beginning. The, be- the beginning of the kingdom of God showing up in the world, God's kingdom crashing into our world, but it also marks the ending of something. Does anyone know what the ending would be? Satan. Yeah. Satan. Satan, yeah, Satan's always the answer. Uh, <laughs> it marks the ending of the current present age. So, the, you know what, Brant's your- Satan's rule. Satan's rule, high five, buddy. There we go. So, it marked the ending of Satan's rule of the world. So it's the end of the world. And it sounds scary, but it's actually a good thing because it's the end of Satan's rule. Think of it this way. Like, how many of you guys get excited when you know you only have a month of school left? You're like, the, you're like Satan's rule in my life is about to end right now because school is ending. School's satanic. If you leave anything, if you, if you leave this message with anything, just know that school's satanic. Anyway, so Joel prophesies about the last days. He says, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on everybody. Everybody. God wants to pour out his spirit on everybody. How many of you guys remember um, playing in the rain as a kid? Anybody remember? Like the, it would rain and you would just go out. See, so you're young at heart. How many of you guys like would not do that now? Like it's raining, like you would not go out and like dance around the rain. Any, anybody? I wouldn't. No. I'd... Okay, let's watch it later. Um, for a lot of times, like when we get older, like, okay, so I went to Ireland, okay? In Ireland, it rains like every day. The Irish people hate it there. They like hate the rain. The rain is like their bitter enemy. And it makes sense because literally you'll be walking down the street and the rain will just like, out of nowhere, like hit you 
like 100 miles per hour at like a 45 degree angle just slam into your face. No warning. Like, you're like, there's no clouds in the sky. This makes sense. That's just Ireland. Um, when we're kids, we play in the rain. A lot of times as adults, we avoid the rain because we don't want to mess up our hair. We don't want to like get our clothes wet. We've got things we want to do. So here, here's my point on this. God can pour out his spirit on the, the entire world like rain, but people can still choose to avoid it. Just like adults can choose to like not go outside when it rains, God can pour out his spirit on the entire earth, but people can still resist him and not allow themselves to be under the place where his spirit is falling. And that's the reality. There's people all around you where God is pouring out his spirit, but they won't choose to step underneath the spot where he's pouring it out. But the message that he's giving here, it's a message of hope because it's saying that God's spirit wants to fall on all people. It means, he says, on all flesh is the term he uses. And it means like, you know, no distinction. Like no, no matter what your background is, uh, you know, whether, you know, the color of your skin is one color or another, whether you're Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, slave or free, religious or not religious, God's spirit is available to every single one of you who will just ask him for it. I love what it says in Romans 5, uh, verses five through six. God's love has been poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So then he talks about the effects of the Spirit, what it will do. And, and I think the Spirit is something where, like, if we were sitting around a fire right now, if I threw lighter fluid on the fire, it would cause an effect. It would absolutely, there's no way that that lighter fluid would not cause some sort of spark or change in that fire. In the same way, if you have God's Spirit, if you're in a place where God's Spirit is on you, there should be change and effect in your life. So look at the end of verses 17. Verse 17, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Compared to you guys, I'm kind of an old man, just by comparison. And I had a dream recently, so I, let me tell you my dream. Here's my dream. This is a real dream. I had this while I was in Ireland, okay? Um, and I wrote it down because it was so ridiculous. So I dreamed that I was Spider-Man. <laughs> and I dreamed that I was teaming up with like a ton of different heroes to fight a medieval dragon like Smog and Lord of the Rings. And I dreamed that I had to like climb this tower. So, okay, in Ireland, there was all these castles that we went to. And basically, the, the castles were built so that if you lived in that castle and if uh, an invasion happened and a bunch of soldiers came into your castle to try to fight you, they made the tower in the castle so the higher up you got, the narrower the stairs got and the walls started to close in. So if you're one person running away, you're fine. But if like a whole army's chasing you, they'd start to get trapped up there from like how much the walls closed in. So, so I dreamed that I had to climb that tower the, the one that closed up as you got higher. And I'm Spider-Man, but I'm scared of heights. So I'm running up to the top of the tower and the walls are closing in on me. And then I start to get fatter. So now I'm a fat Spider-Man in this, but like my, so I'm like this fat Spider-Man, this tight Spider-Man suit. And I get to the top of the tower and no joke, Justin is at the top of the tower and he's just <laughs> laughing at me. He's just like, you're too fat to get up the tower. And, and, and then I was screaming and Justin was just laughing at me and then I woke up. So yeah, <laughs> accurate, probably. Yeah, that's a little fat Spider-Man in there. So um, I don't know what the point of that dream was or what the interpretation is. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so like when it comes to dreams, like that's the question, what's the point? Like what's the point of visions and dreams? And the Bible says there's gonna be dreams and visions. Well, dreams and visions are ways that God sometimes communicates his plans. 
And I don't know if you guys have ever had that, where God has appeared to you in a dream or shown you something in a dream. But I don't know what that was. But think about Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was somebody who he experienced a dream where God showed him his plan. He showed up in his dream and was like, hey, one day you're gonna be a ruler. You're gonna have power. That was a dream that God gave Joseph. Um, Right now in the Middle East, there's Muslims all over the world who aren't following Jesus. And there's like Christians who are too scared to go to that country and speak to him or speak to those Christians. But Jesus has shown up to those guys in dreams and appeared to them in dreams and shown him, hey, I'm Jesus, follow me, I have a plan for you. And there's actually Muslims all over the world getting saved in countries where their missionaries are too scared to go there. So God works through visions and dreams. And, and, and notice this too, it says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Notice that it's a multi-generational thing. It's the young and the old working together. Honestly, like just if I can say something specifically to this church and this youth group, um, you know, our youth group, if I'm just honest, has had an issue. We've had a problem over the years. Here's what the problem is. People go to youth group, they go to junior high ministry, and then they go to high school ministry their entire lives. They never really go into the sanctuary except for once a month on Sundays. And then what happens is they graduate, and when they start going to church, they're like, oh my gosh, everyone at Calvary Vista is like 60. I don't know if I feel comfortable at this church. And then they just go find another church where everyone's younger. And, um, you know, me and my dad have wondered, like, how can we work through this problem? We tried doing uh, First Things First, where we had you guys in once a month at the first of the month, but just no one was coming for a while. And, you know, I just want to encourage you guys, take opportunities to, like, figure out where you belong in this church. If you're a part of this church, if you're here and you don't go to this church on Sundays, then if you go somewhere else, that's fine. This isn't for you. Or maybe it is for you at your church. Maybe apply it there. But what I'm trying to say is... You know, the church is meant to be something where we're a family. It's meant to be something where we're together. I would encourage you, meet people at Calvary Vista who are older. Some of you guys uh, who are going to the men's retreat this weekend. Like, take time to, like, talk to some guys. Make friends with people who are older than you. Because the church is meant to be a family. Now, like, let me move on from that. Um, So here's the question. When it comes to, like, visions and dreams, like, you you probably have a vision for your life. Like, when I was your age, I had a vision for my life. My vision was I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to go to Hollywood, and I'm going to be a movie star. I'm going to write and direct and produce movies. It's going to be great. Um, That dream started to come true a little bit when I started doing this thing called Skippy Shorts with John Barger making puppets in a studio in Carlsbad. And uh, for me, like, that was my vision. But you know what? That wasn't God's vision for my life. That wasn't God's dream for my life. And I want to ask you guys, like, Are you saying to God, Lord, make your dreams my dreams? Or are you just saying, God, I want you to make my dreams come true? There's an old song called Be Thou My Vision. I think sometimes like in our mind, what we think of is we think, yeah, God, be my vision. Like be the physical embodiment of what I want to happen in my world. God, make my dreams come true. Be my vision, Lord. But that's not what the song's about. The song is actually saying, God, you be my guide. When I look, you should be the only thing that I see. Okay? Right? Yeah? Okay. So, be thou my vision. Now, I've never asked, I've never asked God to communicate to me in a dream. I've never been like, hey, God, show up in my dream and tell me what to do. To be honest, I should be asking that. Like, I should be asking, God, show up and tell me what you want me to do. Like, 
That would be amazing if God appeared to me in a dream. The Bible is saying that in the last days, these kind of things happen. God can appear in dreams and talk to people and show them his vision. That's, that's something the Holy Spirit can do. It's in the Bible. Why aren't we asking for these things? That's something I asked myself this week. Why am I not asking God to make his dreams my dreams? Um, here's another thing to notice. It says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. This is huge, because in a culture back then, in the Israel culture, men were seen as the ones that God looked at as men are it. Like, God appears to men, God loves men, women are second-class citizens. In this verse, we're seeing that Jesus is bringing it back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, you had Adam and Eve. They were equally working together for God's kingdom, different but equal, working together, partnering to further God's plan. God loves women. He loves girls, and he has a plan and purpose to include girls in his kingdom. They're not second-class citizens in the church. They're equal partners in God's mission. Um, did you guys know that when Jesus rose from the dead, the first people he appeared to was women? Um, the, the women showed up at the tomb, and they saw Jesus in that moment, and then they went back to the disciples, and they were like, disciples, Peter, James, John, we've seen Jesus. Now, here's the thing. In that culture, like, women were not considered valuable witnesses. We saw that in that video we watched, um, the Case for Christ that we watched last Sunday, when he was like studying the different uh, evidences. One of the ones that came up was, if you were trying to write a case or if you were in a court giving a testimony, women weren't allowed to testify in court because like, let's say you know somebody murdered somebody, you couldn't call your sister to the stand. Even if she was in the room, she wouldn't be considered a good witness because they were, they were like, oh, she's a woman, so she doesn't know anything. She, we can't have, that was literally, that was the attitude of the people back then. The disciples wrote down in their history of the gospel that it was the women who saw Jesus first. They would not have written that down unless it was true. So here's the thing, it's all people, men and women, called to live spirit-filled lives. I love what A.W. Tozer says. Uh, he says, the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. He's saying basically, like, to be, like, have you guys ever met a Christian and you're like, oh my gosh, that guy is spirit-filled. That Christian is just, he's full of the spirit. That guy's he's got it, man. That is not like, like the, you know, top class of Christianity. It's not like, oh yeah, the spirit-filled people, like they're the, they're the special ones. They're the ones who went to Bible college. They're the ones who are just really passionate. Like all Christianity was meant to be spirit-filled. It's not like there's different levels of spirit or spirituality. If we're living the Christian life, but we're not living a spirit-filled Christian life, we're not living up to what Jesus has for us. So here's another thing he says. He, he says, he says that um, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, what does that mean to prophesy? That's something that can be a little bit difficult to understand. Here, here's what prophecy means, like in its most base form. Here's what prophecy means. Prophecy is when God speaks through you. Have you guys ever had a moment in your life where you felt like God told you that you should tell somebody something? I'm asking you guys. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where God, you felt like God told you you should go and say this to somebody? If you obeyed him and spoke to that person, you prophesied, okay? That's, that's prophecy right there. It's speaking. God puts something in our heart, and you share it. Think of it as God is the speaker, but I am the mouthpiece, just like Peter. God is the speaker. I am the microphone. Am I allowing him to speak through me? Um, 
Now, uh, I, I was talking to one of you guys recently, and um, the, the gift of prophecy came up, and um, you said, one of you guys said something that it, it was totally something I've said before, too. Um, we were talking about prophecy, and you were like, uh, one of you guys in the group was like, oh, I want the gift of prophecy. And I started to explain, um, you know, it's when God speaks through you. And the response was, well, no, no, I want the future kind, like when you predict the future. And I totally understand, like, why we want that, because it, it sounds awesome to be able to, like, predict the future, to be like, oh, my gosh, like, God is telling me that one day Bradley is going to be nine feet tall. Yeah, and then, like, yeah, volleyball's so easy, your life's going to be great. And then you remember that, and then, like, 20 years later, when you actually get nine feet, because you have a weird growth spurt in your 40s, um, <laughs> then you're going to remember that moment when I prophesied, and you're going to be like, whoa, Aaron's a prophet. Here's the thing. It's really important to realize, though, that prophecy is not always defined as just telling the future. Um, the problem is sometimes we, we, like, mystify the gift of prophecy, and I think we do this a lot with the gifts of the Spirit. We, like, kind of make them really mystical, where it's like, oh, only certain people, only, like, really special Christians have the gift of the Spirit, or, like, only people at that church have the gift of the Spirit. Um, and, and we can kind of look at the gifts of the Spirit like they're superpowers, you know what I mean? Where, like, one guy's like, I am a healer. I have the gift of healing. If you injure your knee, come to me. I have the gift of healing. I, I don't think that we were ever really meant, honestly, to, like, treat the gifts like our own special Christian superpowers. I think all the gifts of the Spirit are open to every single one of you. Every single one of you could heal somebody if the Lord wanted to do that through you. Every single one of you could predict something if God wanted to do that through you. Every single one of you um, could speak in tongues if God wants to do that through you. And the question we should be asking God all the time is, what do you want me to do? What gift of the Spirit do you want me to use today? So with, with prophecy, prophecy is probably one of the most common gifts that happen on a regular basis. Um, Paul the Apostle was actually one time talking about the gift of tongues, and he was like, you know, some people speak in tongues, but honestly, like, I would much prefer it if all of you prophesied. That's what he said. He's like, I want all of you to prophesy. What, he's talking to his church, and he's like, prophecy to me is like something I really want to be a regular part of what goes on in this church. When he says that, what is he talking about? Is he saying that I want all of you to predict the future? No, he's saying that I want all of you to allow God to speak through you. When we watched that video and I gave each of you guys an opportunity to speak, I wasn't just giving you an opportunity to speak, I was giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak through you. And I believe that prophecy happens way more than we realize it, and it's way more common than we realize it, and we just don't actually realize that it's God speaking. We worship a speaking God. Like God has something he wants to say through the Spirit. And did you notice that there's no more books of the Bible that have been written? God doesn't choose to speak through new books of the Bible being written, he chooses to speak through you and me, the church. And that's amazing. That's something we should be excited about. Here's some examples of prophecy, okay? Some, some really quick, basic examples. One, um, this is actually kind of more of the, the kind of, it, see, I'm, I'm making it mystical when it's not. It's just the Lord speaking. But this is one of those ones where you're like, whoa, this is weird. My dad, um, he had a vision for his life, which was baseball. He was like, I'm gonna go to college and play college baseball, and then I'm gonna go and play in what is the name of the baseball league? Minor league. So the NBA is basketball. The NFL is football. What the heck is baseball? MLB. MLB. Okay. Well, there we go. See? I played t-ball, and then I quit when my coach called me a mean name. Uh, so, not a sports guy. Anyway, um, so my dad had this plan to play baseball, 
And then one day he went to a church worship service at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. And he didn't want to go, but his friend wanted him to go. So he showed up and he's in the back. And it was during a time where like the pastor was like, I am going to open it up now where the Holy Spirit can speak. And if anyone has a word of prophecy or wants to speak in tongues, you can do that now, which is awesome. So people were doing that. They're speaking in tongues. They're giving gifts of prophecy. And then this one woman stands up and she's like, there's someone here who has been planning their whole life to be a baseball player. And like right when she said that, like the hairs on my dad's neck just like stood up and he was like, oh my gosh. And, and she started saying things and I can't remember what exactly she said, but like the things that she said, the more she started talking, the more specific it got about my dad. And she was like, oh my, or my dad was like, I hope she doesn't like turn around and like look at me and like point at me and embarrass me. But then what she said was, you know, you're planning on doing this life of baseball. God actually wants you to leave that dream because he has a better dream for you. He wants you to be in ministry. And that was literally like what changed the course of my dad's life. And if that event hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have even been born. My dad wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have met my mom. That happened through ministry. I mean, it, it, God has such a better plan for our life than anything that we can dream of. Uh, another one that happened to me was um, when that homeless woman walked up to me and like started talking about Ireland. I believe that God can speak through even non-Christians. Like God can speak through whoever he wants to. That's how his spirit works. His spirit is amazing. Um, when I was in junior high, another time that I experienced God speaking prophetically was I was standing in room 303 by the little uh, board by the door and the assistant youth pastor Jason Yetz comes up to me and he says, Aaron, you know, I feel like God wanted me to tell you that you're an encourager. And literally that moment, like it was like something shifted in my brain and I started to spend the rest of my life looking for opportunities for God to use that gift of encouragement in my life. Guys, you can do this. Like, you can prophesy. This is what he's talking about in the prophecy of Joel, which is coming true here in Pentecost when the Spirit falls. He's saying that every single one of you can speak. God can speak through you. You just have to be willing for him to do it. You have to show up to your school or your neighborhood or your friend group and say, God, I'm here and I'm willing. Will you speak? Now, let's, let's look at verse 18. Let's go on. So he says, "'In those days I will pour out my Spirit.'" Even on my servants, men and women alike, they will prophesy. He's talking about the servant class. He's talking about the male and female servants, the slaves. And he's basically blowing everyone's mind by saying, this is, I mean, we don't live in a time with slaves. But back then, in that culture, it was a time where they had slaves. And so he's literally blowing everyone's mind by being like, the slaves, the servants now have the ability to speak. God is lifting them up so that they're on equal ground and the male and female slaves can now be used by God. They're in God's kingdom. They're not considered Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free. They are all considered equal children of God. That, that's amazing. And, and you know what? It really just put on my heart this sense that some of you guys need to hear tonight. None of you guys are slaves, but a lot of you guys struggle with your identity. A lot of you guys struggle right now. I mean, high school, like just face it, like it's a time where you're, you, you struggle. And a lot of times like, I mean, if you're like me, when I was in high school, you, you put on a mask, you pretend like everything's okay, uh, you pretend like you have it all together, but a lot of us are struggling with deep, deep insecurities about who we are and what our place is in the world and even in God's plan. Maybe you're here tonight and maybe you're kind of an artist. You know, maybe you write poems or songs and 
you're a musician, but, but you're struggling because you feel like nobody cares about your work. Or maybe you look at other people who are musicians or have those kind of artistic gifts and you feel like your work isn't as good as theirs and, and, and you feel like you have this desire, but you just, you'll, you'll never get there. You need to know that God loves you and that his spirit has been poured, poured out on you. Maybe you're here and you're like an academic, you know, and you're like struggling. You're like really struggling to get it together, to get those good grades. You've got this vision for like what you want college to look like, but you're really like just honestly going through a hard time right now with your academic struggles. You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you and he loves you and he's working in your life. Some, some of you here, maybe you really have a hard time with high school. Like maybe it's the social aspect, maybe it's you know friends or the lack of friends, or maybe it's just grades. Like maybe you just literally, as hard as you try, like you, you feel like you'll never measure up to the standard that your parents have for you to meet. You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you. He's working in you and he loves you and he has a plan for you and no bad grade can separate you from his will for your life. Maybe you're, maybe you're a girl here and you've, I mean, I, I, mean, I hate to say it, but like, you know, in, in our culture right now, I feel like it needs to be said, maybe you feel like as a Christian, you, you've, you've been thought of as like a second-class citizen, you know, and maybe you look at all the guys in, in church and in ministry and, and you think, you know, I'm just a girl, you know, like all, all I have really as an option is to like become a pastor's wife or whatever, you know, or like a children's ministry worker, which is great if that's what you wanna be. But maybe for some of you guys, you're really struggling with your identity as like what, like how as a female can I follow Christ? You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you and he has amazing and wonderful, awesome things in store for your life, ways he wants to use you for the kingdom of God that are incredible and that you could never imagine. Maybe you're here and you struggle with like fear and anxiety and worry and you just, you're up late at night and you haven't even told anybody but you just toss and turn at night and you can't fall asleep because you just literally like in your mind are replaying like the worst case scenarios of everything bad that could happen. You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you and he wants to deliver you from that fear and anxiety and he can and will do it in his time. If you put your trust in him, he's here with you holding your hand. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're, you're an athlete and you're pursuing that uh, in your life and, and, and it's, it's hard, it's a struggle. There's lots of training. There's, there's lots of sacrifice that goes into it. it. It's a struggle at times, but you feel like this is the direction that God has put on your life. You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you and he loves you. And when you use those athletic gifts, like he takes pleasure in that. He loves that. He's like a father watching his kid out there on the field and he's just is blessed. You, you need to know that God loves you and he's proud of you. Whether you win or lose, he loves you beyond anything that you could imagine. And your acceptance in life doesn't come with your success, success in athletics. Your success in life comes with just simply being loved by God. That's the greatest success you can have. Maybe you feel alone at school. Maybe you feel like you don't have friends. You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you. And he's with you in the darkest moments of those school days where you feel like nobody knows what's going on and, and you feel like you can't connect to anybody or maybe you feel like you know, you've got friends but they're surfacy or shallow and, and they don't really connect with you on a deep level you know, the way that you want. You want somebody who loves you and who can relate with you about the Lord and help your walk with him. You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you and he's given you in Jesus the best friend that you could ever 
have. And he wants to bring more friends into your life that'll help you follow him. And I would just encourage you, just lean into that reality that his spirit has poured on you and let his spirit guide you to those people. Maybe if that even means you have to be the first person to start the conversation, to go up and say, hey, like, let's talk about the Lord. That's really hard and tricky, but his spirit is on you and he can make you brave to start those conversations. Or maybe you're working a job and sometimes it's hard, sometimes... It's a struggle to connect with people at work. Sometimes you feel like the people at work are just so worldly and you feel like it's literally like being in another dimension when you're at work, you know, because it's that struggle of like you're a Christian and now you're like around people who are in the flesh. You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you and at that job, no matter what it is, a low-level job or a high-level job, like God can use you to be a light in that dark place. Maybe right now you're struggling with sickness. Maybe there's sickness in your life or in, in a family member's life. Right now my aunt is really suffering from cancer. Um, you need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you. And he loves you. And his goal for your life and your family's life is not sickness, but health. And in the kingdom of heaven, when God fully comes back, no one is going to be sick. And even during this time right now, God wants to heal people and restore people. And and we need to ask him for that and expect him to. Maybe right now you're dating and you're in a relationship or maybe you're not, but you like would really like to be. You're like, hey, that'd be great, Lord, make it happen. Um, You need to know that God has poured out his spirit on you and through his spirit, he can give you the ability to be the greatest boyfriend or girlfriend that has ever existed purely by the guidance of his spirit. But that's the goal, that's the the trick. Is that relationship happening in your own your own spirit or the Lord's spirit? Is the Lord the center or not? Maybe you're single and you're like worried that you're gonna die single in a cave forever. And you're like, I mean, honestly, like there's some of you guys here where I'm like, it doesn't make sense that they're single. They're so awesome. Like, like that's what I think of of some of you guys. Like, I'm just like, that's, you guys are great. You guys are great kids. Um, and no, really, like sometimes I'm like, that makes no sense why some of these guys and girls are single. Um, but you know what? It doesn't have to make sense because God's plan is what has to make sense. And he has poured out his spirit on you. And in your singleness right now, God can allow you to literally just dominate life for his kingdom. To to really just not like wallow in your singleness and be like, oh, life is so terrible. That's what I did in high school. I was like, oh, I'm single. I'm never gonna get married. Life is terrible. Like, I really wish I realized that God's spirit was poured out on me and through his spirit that I had the ability to serve him and love him and bless people and that my life didn't revolve around who I was eventually gonna marry. My life revolved around God and his purposes for me. Now, what if you're here, though, and you're like, I don't feel the spirit, you know? What if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't feel the spirit at all? One time I was at camp, and I remember it really clearly. Like, it was the last night of camp, and everyone was crying, you know? Camp cry night, so good. Gotta love camp cry night. So I'm, like, in high school camp, and Phil Wickham's playing, and the music is going, and everyone's just, like, weeping. And I was literally, like, standing in the room, and I was like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian because I feel nothing right now. Like, I have, like, a heart of stone. Like, I have no emotion in me. Like, my best friends, like, even my guy friends are just, like, bawling their eyes out. I'm like, I'm the pastor's son, and literally, I feel nothing. I am dead inside. And um, and I'm a pretty emotional guy, so I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, has the spirit of Satan entered me? Like, what is going on? And God spoke to me in that moment, and he said, go stand in the corner. And I was like, am I in trouble? Like, what's going on? 
uh, my entire mouth. And I went to go stand in the corner and God spoke to me and he was like, Aaron, I want you to understand something. My relationship with you has nothing to do with how you feel, but it has everything to do with who I am and what I've done for you. And I've never forgotten that moment because honestly in my life, there's been times where I've been so in tune with the spirit and just emotional. I can cry at the drop of a hat, you know? I, I, I hear stories of people getting saved and I just, I start tearing up because of it. Like, uh, I can get that way, but there's also times where I feel dead inside. Like there's times where like literally I just don't feel anything. Guys, that's part of the human condition. It happens. Like seriously, like there's gonna be times where you're super emotional and like you feel super spiritual. There's gonna be other times where you feel really distant from God. And you're like, that doesn't make sense because I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying, I'm going to church. What is wrong with me? You need to understand there's nothing wrong with you. We're humans and we're flawed. And sometimes God allows us to go through those seasons where we feel dry and distant from him. And in those moments, he wants to remind us that your relationship with him has nothing to do with how you feel, but it rests completely on the work that he did in saving you. And during those dry times where I haven't felt anything, I've rested on that reality that Jesus loves me and he saved me and he died for me. And he would have died for me if I was the only person on the planet. It's such a blessing for me to